0: y'all and welcome to the second episode of the Twin Tiger Show. My name is Tiger Aaron alongside with Tiger Drew and this week we are going to get into a little bit of a Syracuse recap from this past weekend. We're also going to talk about some question marks at the wide wide receiver position specifically at the wide receiver 2 spot. And then we are also going to talk about the Boston College preview and what we are to expect from from the Eagles come this Saturday so let's let's get started off with the recap of Syracuse. Might not have been the prettiest game, I would say, but at the end of the day, we got it done, we got the win, we got that twenty six point win, and we are six and zero for the sixth straight year. drew, was there anything anything about that game that kind of stood out, whether it was positive or uh negative from our tigers yeah the uh the first half
1: it just kind of felt like. You know, everybody was out there sleepwalking. They felt like maybe you could just roll the Clemson helmet out there and automatically come away with a win. Um, pretty pretty disheartening to see that. You know, I like to see the guys locked in from the from the opening kickoff. But anytime you're able to pull away late and have that 26-point win, you know, that's almost four touchdowns. I know it seems like it was a, a bad win, um, but, you know, a win is a win is a win. So definitely happy to come come out of there with a – with a big win like that,
0: yeah, yeah. You, we kind of saw early in the uh, first half our uh, our offense wasn't really clicking. Trevor was kind of missing um, missing on some guys, and uh, the, the the main thing from the first half that I saw, uh, I would probably have to say was our um, offensive line play. Uh, it, it, I won't say it's a broken record, but we have gone back to back weeks weeks where I've seen just a lack of penetration from our, um, offensive line. Uh, last week I said, um, uh, I was convinced that Georgia tech just went wholesale on stopping the run, but seeing the way Syracuse stopped us in, I'd say the first two and a half quarters kind of makes me fear that that wasn't actually the case. And, and, and it was indeed just, uh, poor offensive line play. Um, and I guess it, what kind of capped off the moment of seeing poor offensive line play was uh, seeing seeing Trevor take some hits, take some sacks early, and uh, it's just and it's just one of those things um, you should expect it when you're replacing four of your five starters from the previous year, uh, including the uh, center position. But it seems like it's kind of a late blooming struggle for our for our uh, offensive line Uh, versus wake they played very well versus the citadel they played very well so like the first two three games like no complaints about the uh, offensive line but as of late I just see I won't say an inability because there were moments where we got the push but our offensive line play was just lackluster
1: let me, let me butt in here. Do you think, do you think that's more to do with a mindset thing? Maybe them going into the game and assuming, ah, oh, it should be a, an easier week because I mean, we saw the same offensive line you know, play against Miami, which has a, a great defensive line. If you ask me, um, um do you think it's more of that mindset thing or do you think it's
0: a little bit something deeper than that? Uh, I, I think it is. Um, it, uh, it is one of those things like it's very easy for a team like Clemson to show up and, and, and top 10 matchup. Miami doesn't like the fact that we've kind of made them, made them our, uh, you know, our daddy's little princess past few times or now past three times. Easy for, for, the guys to have that mentality of like, you know, like, Hey, this is one of the best defensive lines in the country. We need to protect Trevor. So I would say most of it's mentality, just, just seeing like on film, how, how explosive that, that, uh, Miami front is to want to shut it down. But I mean, there were instances in that Miami game where like, I just saw, Miami's linebackers and um, and uh, defensive line just beat beat Clemson's offensive line through technique something that I, that that I hadn't seen in a long time and it it worried me a little bit but I kind of put it to the wayside like well it's Miami you know they've they've made a staple about being a very good defensive front team um even though like these offensive line woes are a little bit concerning. I don't think it's going to transition into an actual problem, but mostly because we've seen uh, our uh, offensive line show up for the big games in years past and versus Miami this year, you know, um, you know, uh, Robbie Caldwell does, does an amazing job with them. So I'm not really worried. Uh, I just would hope that versus, Boston College, you know, a uh, a uh, team who's a little bit bigger than Syracuse. Uh, hopefully, I'd l- like to see our uh, offensive line get to the s- second level of the defense. Get and uh, get after those linebackers off- on some runs. But it wasn't just uh, like offensive line play, and and maybe the uh, the way the offensive line was playing kind of helped to this. But I also saw just a little bit of. I won't even say conservative play calling. I would call it protective play calling. You know, it, uh, like I really felt, uh, even before Travis went out that our play calling, our scheming was just trying to be too much. You know, we were trying to be, uh, trying to be cheeky with some plays. We had that pass from Amari, which was a hospital pass to Trevor. Um, Yet Trevor doesn't care. He's gonna catch it and you know run headfirst into a safety, but he popped up just fine. You know, so like early in the game we were trying stuff and when it wasn't really working out, we kind of fell back on just a really conservative and protective game plan. And I just kind of felt like we we resorted to just using our talent as the as the main I would say disqualifier against Syracuse, just knowing that we have you know, the faster guys, the stronger guys, you know, the better guys, and we leaned on that too much. And Syracuse is a very, very well coached team. Dino Babers, you know, even though the um, the win loss columns don't really show it, I-, I think is still one of the best coaches in uh, in uh, the uh, ACC. So so he had those. So he had his boys ready. So when we fell back to a, like, oh, we're just better than them, we'll, we'll just do the easy stuff, that didn't cut it this time, but that didn't really cut it this week. And, um, you know, uh, over the past few years, you know, everyone's always said that Elliot's play calling's been a, a little bit soft, a little bit too conservative and lack of explosive. Um, would, would you say you have kind of seen the – same thing, not just from this game, but from games in years past?
1: Uh, yep, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Before this year, that was the exact thought that I had. I, you know, Coming from a guy who is the running backs coach, I kind of expected him to want to lean a little bit more on the running game. Um, other than the games where I think it's obvious that play calling has been vanilla, I haven't had a problem with how the offense has been run this year. I think Brandon, Brandon Streeter is having a good input with the passing game. Um, now Trevor Lawrence obviously helps you. You got to give your best player the ball and opportunities to make plays. But, you know, this game, I, like what you said, when everything else wasn't working and ETN had the, the frosted flake cr- cramps, I, uh, it kind of felt like watching the Rob Spence bubble screen. Felt like that was the only thing that was working all day, whether it be a jet sweep or a quick screen to Amari. Um, just kind of felt a little vanilla when the first thing wasn't working for him. So yeah. I don't want to see that in the future. I want to see, you know, keep pushing the issue, keep, keep the game plan. Um, but luckily, you know, I, I hear it all the time. The ACC is terrible. The ACC is terrible. So anytime you're able to go out there and win on talent alone, it's nice. Um, but
0: I do want to see us stick to the game plan
1: just a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, um everyone likes to say that that ta- the talent on some ACC rosters is, is, is very low, very vanilla, just doesn't jump off the page. You kind of have to remind people where a lot of these ACC schools are recruiting out of. We don't have, we don't have the corn, you know, the corn fed farm boys from Mississippi and, uh, and uh, Arkansas rolling in, you know, Syracuse is a, is a very very difficult place to coach. I would put it up there if not past Vanderbilt as as a place to coach just cuz you're in the you're in upstate New York. There's not a lot of down and dirty football talent up there. There are guys who, you know, who can do well but respectively they're they're going to programs with a with a little bit more of a recent success pedigree. So I think the idea of kind of negating a 26-point, a four-touchdown uh, win versus a one-and-five team just kind of doesn't really do Syracuse justice because I do think they're a very good football team. You know, they just they just can't find it on offense yet. You know, um, DeVito got hurt. Everyone thought he, he was going to be their guy, you know, strong arm quarterback, very, very, uh, very calm in the pocket. And then he goes down and Culpepper just kind of comes in. And prior to Clemson, he, he was doing the little things, right. <clears throat> Wasn't jumping off the paper, uh, whether, whether it be good or bad. Um, but you, you could see from, from, from our defense early that we got after Culpepper got in his head. And after, after that big, after that big touchdown pass, he went silent. He went MIA, and we just started reading him. We slowed down our uh, DB play and got a, got a good amount of well-timed interceptions. Um, but right now, uh, sticking with the uh, offense, one thing that I noticed about the game and p- play calling and uh, execution, I, will, I would like to call it the uh, ETN effect. When Travis was on the field, you saw a more balanced offensive scheme. You uh, you saw a Syracuse defense who tried to stay balanced. They didn't want to give up big plays, so they stopped the run when they could and just kind of prevented big passing plays. Um, but when Travis went out, uh, the offensive line play kind of didn't help Lin-Jay, but lin didn't have the game that he wanted probably would have wanted and what Tiger fans would have wanted. So we went to a little bit more of a passing game and Trevor, unfortunately just wasn't having his day. Uh, I hate to say it about the best quarterback in, in college football, but he did play probably his worst game (laughs) since the national championship, which is a good thing. You know, it means his gap in between poor games is pretty big. I mean, he's had two poor poorly played games in 33 starts so i will take that at um at uh any day of the week and it is always nice to see our offense do very well in a d in a d plus rated game to still win by four touchdowns but one thing i'd like to point out um and unfortunately with this being a podcast it's kind of hard to show it so i guess i'll take this clip and and i'll find the clip and overlay it on Travis's first play back from the frosted flakes cramps uh, Trevor Trevor threw a little bit of a I wouldn't even call it a uh, a uh, RPO because Travis wasn't even a, a a a option but he threw a quick hitter outside to to Amari which which he then busted out for I I, I think like a 15 16 maybe 17 yard gain but what jumped off the page on that play for me was when Travis was running across Trevor's face. Trevor wasn't even faking a handoff. He, he wasn't making a read. It, it wasn't a play action. Travis was literally running across his face to to create a blindside blocking channel. What did the Syracuse defense do? Their defensive end and their outside linebacker both shifted in to the area where Travis was going to. Even though he wasn't going to get the ball, they still shifted to very important positions, to very important players, to just stop the potential threat of Travis Etienne getting the ball. And the outside linebacker was number 31. If you watch the rest of the play, you see him run back from the box outside, and he's about two feet behind Amari. Where he could have made a tackle that would have prevented a first down, instead because he's shifting over to to just, I guess, shadow Travis for that split second, it created it created enough distance in between Amari and number thirty one to the point where he couldn't catch up to Amari, so he just goes right by him, goes past the corners, go and uh, and uh, makes it up to the third third level of the defense very quickly and he gets a 15 yard gain and we're actually moving the ball now. And it goes to show that even though Travis, I'd say prior to the season, wasn't getting the type of recognition he got d- defenses, understand the threat he is. I mean, you, you ask a, you ask a college football fan who the best running back in a, in a nation is, prior to this season, you'd hear Najee Harris, Chuba Hubbard, and maybe Travis thrown in by the by the occasional, like, super college football fan. And we could see a big difference in our offensive confidence, our play calling, and our execution when Travis is on the field, just in a presence. And, and we saw it weeks past against Miami. Travis is – made a name this season alone on catching the ball. He is becoming that every down back, that elusive back who who you just get him a touch, you just give him a whiff of the ball and he's going to make something happen. It's getting to the point now where he's out in he's out in five wide and they aren't putting a linebacker on him, they're putting a safety or a cornerback on him. So that frees up our tight ends. And this season we've seen a lot of tight end engagement on on our offensive front and I really think it's it's because of the threat that Travis poses in the passing game but you know I just I saw that play it kind of got me excited because I saw like how it unfolded live I saw the defensive end and the linebacker shift over and it just opened up and and I hate to say it, but if we ran that play, same exact play with Linjay on the field or Chaz, it wouldn't have gone for 15 plus. It may, it may have, may have gotten to the first down marker, but it wouldn't have busted out that big. And that just goes to show the actual threat that Travis poses, poses even when he, in reality, isn't even a part of the plays, the plays equation.
1: Yeah, so looking at it, looking at it the way you're breaking it down, it's, it's kind of similar to, uh, to that fake pitch play we ran against Georgia Tech last week. Um, the threat of nine touching the ball scares every defensive coordinator in the country because you give them the smallest gap, and he's, you know, busting it for 20, if not more, yards. So what you're seeing is, like you're talking about, that outside linebacker and defensive end. They're crashing because if they don't crash, you could see Trevor pump take that screen and do a quick dump to nine, and he's up the field for more yards than Amari would have got. So you have to respect the threat of nine touching the ball, and whenever you do that, you're leaving something open. Typically, you know, if you're running that zone, all he's got to do is find that find that little hole in it and sit. But, you know, like you said, it's a game of inches, and that guy having to pause for that split second was able to free up Amari on that play.
0: Yeah, it's yeah the threat the threat of nine touching the ball even gives me as a Clemson fan the heebie-jeebies, you know. When uh and I think one of the best things about nine is you give him the smallest gap or you give him a poor tackling attempt, he's gonna make you pay with interest. You know, Travis. Travis, I've I've seen is is a running back who plays off of touches, you know, he doesn't, you know, like he might have three, four plays where he's only getting like three, four yards, yards, which is still as a running back, good enough. But you give him that 12th touch in a game. And for some, some odd reason, he's busting off of a tackle two yards behind the line of scrimmage and he's gone for 80. You know, he just, it's one of those things that you always have to have that safety valve, that contingency plan for, you know, like, Hey, Travis is going to bust one, you know, that's just going to happen. So as a defense, you know, we need to do our best to stop him. How do we do that? We load the box and, and, and we have our outside linebackers just playing on him. Well, Clemson sees that. So we throw it out past the outside linebackers. We throw it to the boundary. We give our, we, give our equally as athletic wide receivers opportunities to make plays for themselves. And Amari this season, in my opinion has been our offensive MVP because there's, there's just moments seeing, seeing Amari get touches that is very similar to Travis touch the ball. You know, it's he had a, he had a drop against Syracuse and I will not even call it a drop because he did a f- full extension attempt to, of catching the ball, but Amari's our only deep threat. Amari has, has speed that I would like to say is ballpark to Jalen Waddle. I won't say similar because Jalen Waddle is a beast and, and hopefully this ankle injury doesn't, doesn't take away his chance to make millions of dollars, but Amari's speed this season has been phenomenal. And, it's shown with him just lining up, not even in the slot anymore. You know, lining up in the boundary, taking on that one v one island matchup with with any cornerback, and just saying, "You're nothing to me. I'm gonna run run right by you." And he and he has two yards of separation, and and we would have thought a team only losing, you know, T Higgins. Would still be able to find a way to be be just this coveted wide wide receiver core, but unfortunately, that hasn't been the case this year. You know, Amari's been by far our most our most threatening and our most prolific wideout. It doesn't help that Justin Ross is 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 out for the season because of a uh, neck surgery, um, and 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 it doesn't help that the guy who was expected to be wide receiver number two, number two, Frank Ladson Jr., just isn't, in my opinion, playing the kind of football that Clemson needs. That, you know, Clemson's kind of made a staple. Like, Clemson's wide, wide receiver you. And if anyone says otherwise, they're lying and they just don't actually watch college football and 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 the NFL anymore. Clemson has made a hallmark of making Wide receivers, prolific, explosive, and and all pro potential. And Frank Ladson, I I will never say is hindering the a Clemson name or whatever because he's still a phenomenal player and he's making plays. But there's just these few instances where in the past three games, you know you 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 see two touch the ball and. And, and you stand up out of your seat. You stand up. You're at home, and you go, oh, my God, yes. You know, like, you're go, go. But before you get the first go out and before your hands are all the way up, like, yeah, touchdown, the ball goes from his hands to the ground and not in the way that you want. You know, um, he had that pretty poor drop versus Miami that would have extended a drive that ended in a punt and had the potential for going for six. He had a drop against tech that hundred percent would have gone for six. Instead. We, I, I think we still, I mean, I don't think we punted the ball once that entire game, but we still drove, but it would have been nice to get that, you know, big touchdown play early. And, um, and I did see him have a little bit, a, a few bad drops versus Q's as well. And, you know, you know, Ladson came in with all of the hype, you know, it was, everyone was expecting him and Joseph to just, you know, jump off the page and with Joseph kind of flirting with the uh, injury bug this year, you know, everyone expected Frank to show out. And he's still playing very well. He, uh, I think he has three touchdowns, you know, he has 300 plus yards, but those numbers could be, could be higher very easily if just he was able to bring bring the ball in all the way
1: yeah I'm not really sure what it is it just seems like I know we were talking before before we started recording it just kind of seems like he's you know sputtering at the starting line he's early in the game is typically when that drop comes you know at least that's what it seems like and then after he gets that drop he's you know playing like the five star that that he was Um, he's He's got 17 catches, 272 yards. He's averaging 16 yards or reception. He's only got the three touchdowns, but, you know, we're spreading the ball a lot. I think our tight ends have, you know, six or seven, maybe six touchdowns. Um, I think he's he's not playing 100% like the five-star that he was, but I do think he is playing like a high-quality four-star. Um, and, you know, that that's what happens when you are the the biggest guy on the field, when you got – Ladson and Amari and Cornell out there at the same time, he's your, he's your big guy that's going to get the, the size recognition from the cornerback. Um, Any Whenever 10 comes back, when Ngata gets back on the field from that, uh, I think it's an ab injury, it was nice to see him playing a little bit this week. Um, heard he had a good week at practice. Hopefully has another good week this week, and we can see him a little bit closer to 100%. But when 10 gets back on the field, the way Davo's talking about him in all of his press conferences, typically without even being asked about him, um, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. It's, it's going to open up Amari a little bit more. You're going to see people focus more on him after he explodes, like I expect. I think it's going to have a huge impact on the, on the wide receiver group as a whole. But going back to Ladson, like I said, um, this past week he, he only had the two catches, 29 yards, um, With a, one of them was a 20-yard catch. He's not he's not jumping off the page and he's not doing what Clemson really needs, but I think he's doing enough to kind of keep him out of that doghouse and keep him getting significant significant
0: snaps on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. It's um with uh with with ten coming back, it uh it it adds a competitive dynamic. And one thing about Clemson football and 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 I don't know how, I don't know what it is at Clemson competition breeds success. You know, you see a four-star or a – no, no, I take all that back. You see a walk-on beat out a five-star for a starting job. Five-star is not mad about it. They aren't pouting about it. You know, they aren't bitching and complaining. They're like, wow, that's a wake-up call. And what do they do when they see the playtime? They ball out, and they make us go – Wow, why isn't that guy starting? oh, that's because so and so's in front of them like of course that makes sense and one thing i would like to see a little bit is maybe see uh if if uh ten can't go i would love to see uh e j williams m- maybe get looked at a little bit more as 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 that potential like wide wide receiver two uh guy for um for frank just because Hey, EJ's EJ start the season off slow, but he's getting hot. He's getting open. He's creating separation. He's he's doing what we need our wide receivers to do. And I don't think it's any any kind of coincidence that I that he I think is one of the best freshman wideouts we've had since Justin Ross. Which you know that's not that's not a century ago. That's a, two years ago. But they're from but they're from the same high school out of Alabama, you know, like of course leave it to Dabo and leave it to Clemson to not only find a way to beat Bama, but to go, you know what, not only are are we going to beat you, but we're going to go, we're going to go in your backyard and steal your strawberries, you know, and EJ is just the latest example of that. Um, He's playing phenomenal you know uh, his his stats won't won't really say it nine catches 100 plus yards but I can see when he's out there running routes you know he's drawing the eyes of not just a cornerback, he's drawing the eyes of 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 the uh overtop safety and um to think of the idea of Joseph being back and seeing EJ get more get more playing time it's only going to open up avenues for every wide out on our depth chart. I mean, Amari's played lights out this year, uh, and then Travis is our second leading receiver right now, a running back. So the idea that we have wide outs in tow who can step up and really just make, make an impact, you know, scares me. You know, it makes me kind of fear, like, You know, like, hey, we can't give everyone the ball on every play. So it is a embarrassment of riches we have in Clemson. Um, I would like to see, you know, a treasure that we found that was a piece of gold start playing like a piece of gold. But, hey, silver is pretty shiny too. So right now it isn't anything to be worried about. It's just something that, that I've seen and, you know, maybe dabo addresses it or maybe i doubt he even does cuz we bring in guys with phenomenal work ethics probably frank frank in my opinion pro- probably has a photo of that miami drop on his mirror you know just like you know, like you know like cursing himself out like come on man like what are you doing you know so i think um i think later later in uh in year we'll uh see his hands kind of be a little bit more sticky. Uh, but it, it, right now it isn't It isn't anything hurting our offensive production. So hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully it doesn't become more of an actual issue and instead becomes a learning point that we can hopefully make a really, really good and high potential player just the very next graduate of wide receiver U.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Um, and like you said, I don't think it's really a problem. I think it's more of a back burner thing, just to kind of keep your eye on. I don't think it's a problem at all. Um, you know, aside from the early drops in games, later in the games he is making difficult catches, showing off, um, showing off his hands a little bit. But going to EJ Williams, I kind of picture it as like it's a plant in uh in the in the Reeves football facility down there, and and every day Dabo and Grish they're walking by and they water it a little bit and. I think starting to flourish, and, and here soon you're poised to have a breakout second half of the year. You can see they're starting to trust him a little bit more with the play call, um, learning the playbook. Um, blocking has been pretty pretty good for EJ. It's uh, it's it's good to see them trusting him out there a little bit more. Um, but with with Engada, if EJ is a guy that you're watering, I think Engada is the The guy that just add water and he's good to go. Like, as soon as he gets on the field, I think he's going to be a breakout guy.
0: Yeah, Joseph isn't a uh, isn't a plant you need to water. It's just a plant you need to give sunlight. He is. We saw it last year as a freshman. You know, uh, we we saw it in his highlight reels from from high school. Guy's an animal, and when he was on the field for us versus Qs. It, you know, Syracuse was aware of who he was. Um, his his abdominal injuries just kind of slowed, s- slowed him down a bit. I kind of noticed he wasn't really his his spritzy self. You know, uh, he wasn't really throwing his body around, doing uh, doing any of that. I don't think it's a fear aspect with his injury. I think it's I, I think it's more instructional. Just Dabo telling him, "Hey man, you know, don't go out and hurt yourself. Like like we're like we're gonna need you late late in the year." So I'm really excited to to see ten out there. And uh, just one last thing about EJ, you know, he's he's wearing the number six. And one thing that that I've learned in years past, you know, starting 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 before Nuke Jacoby. Number six is a kind of, in my opinion, doesn't get as much credit as it should. I think it should be up there with number 13. You know, number six is is a number at Clemson. You know, we've had Jacoby Ware, who, in my opinion, was probably one of the fastest human he, human beings to ever play college football. Uh, after Jacoby, we had some freshman named DeAndre Hopkins. You know, who? What? Just ball out with it. Make one-handed catches versus tech. Start beating uh, care, um, Gamecock DBs deep, and he, and he and and he turned out to be a pretty good wideout. You know, I don't know what he's doing in uh, in uh, the uh, NFL, but I think it's probably nah, good. I don't know. You know and then average. after – Yeah, you know, just average. Uh, and then uh, and then after nuke, we saw. Um, we saw a little bit of a wide receiver hiatus from number six and it kind of got a little bit of a defensive buff, you know, Dorian O'Daniel, one of those guys who, who is a great example of the kind of grind and the all in aspect of Clemson football, a guy who came in expected to be, you know, Oh, Oh my God, Dorian O'Daniel. Like everyone thought he was going to be this, absolute outlier, but it took him time it took him time to time to develop and he committed that time. So when he came out his junior and senior year, I mean Dorian O'Daniel was a phenomenal linebacker. You know, I don't uh I don't know, gonna have to probably tweet at Timber, but I think he I would assume he's the only linebacker in Clemson history to go like back to back games with pick sixes or something. You know, he's just, he's just one of those pr- prototype linebackers who can p- play just about anywhere, you know, three yards behind the defensive line. And he's, you know, and he's, and, 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 he's doing stuff in Kansas City right now. You know, so seeing EJ get, get the number six as a freshman, you know, Clemson doesn't really hand out numbers. I think numbers are a little bit more earned. So you know, I think, I think he earned it for a reason, and he's kind of start. He's kind of starting to show it. Um, but getting away from the wide, getting away from the wide receiver spot. Uh, you know, we we need to talk about the biggest game of the year, this game. Clemson's playing Boston College in Clemson at twelve o'clock on 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 ABC. Uh, the Boston College Eagles are four and two. I believe they are three and two in uh, in conference play. Uh, where is yep, they are three and two in a uh, conference play, and their only their only two losses are to at the time ranked opponents. You know, Virginia Tech got the better of them, but they played UNC in in week two or week three, pretty close. You know, 26, 26 to twenty two, and we just saw UNC beat the brakes off of NC State. So they're putting numbers up against good teams. They, uh, they beat Georgia Tech this past week, 48-27. to 27. Um, And I don't like to say that, you know, numbers are wrong or this and that. But as much praise as, as I'm giving Boston College right now, There are some things that once you start putting in the research and noticing about this Boston college team, that just kind of, you know, kind of gives you the feel that that four and two record, you know, isn't really what it seems to be. And four and two in this season in 2020, phenomenal record. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of sec teams who are four and two right now, you know, more of them are three and three, you know, or, or five and one, but you know, this, uh, this is a weird Boston college team. I think, uh, this is, this is the first time in a long time that a Boston college team is averaging less than a hundred yards a game, you know, coming off of, uh, coming off of AJ Dillon going pro a lot. And I mean, a lot of people had, uh, had uh, pretty, pr- pretty high hopes for David Bailey they haven't really panned out this year. You know, he's, he's, averaging, he's averaging less than four yards a carry, uh, and, you know, their run game has struggled a lot this year. Uh, but they're making up for it. They have a, uh, they have a transfer from Notre Dame, um, Drakovic or Dracovic, uh sorry if, uh, if I botched that. But, you know, he's a transfer from Notre Dame. What's he doing? He's putting up better numbers than Ian Book, you know uh, he is thrown for six for sixteen hundred yards, twelve touchdowns with only four interceptions. A hidden hidden line of this game, as of right now, it's the two best quarterbacks in uh in uh, the uh, ACC going going head to head this weekend. Um, what what about this uh this Boston College? offense that you've seen is is different than teams past and and can maybe test Clemson's defense yeah and going
1: back to the record um you know four and two doing a great job first year quarterback got a brand new head coach they deserve all the praise that they've been getting um like you said they're only averaging I think it was 99.2 rushing yards per game which is just kind of crazy to think about a Boston College team doing that you know they're known for their huge oversized running backs and their Monster offensive lineman, and to see Jarkovitch going in there and, and putting up the kind of numbers he has, you know, it's been it's been fun, but it's been a little bit a little bit different seeing, you know, from a Boston College offense. I you know I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I'd go out on a limb and say we haven't seen this kind of passing output from Boston College since Matt Ryan. Yeah, you know, I mean they're a good team. That four and two is a little skewed. Uh, beat Boston College or beat Duke by twenty. They only beat Texas state by three. Um, only lost to North Carolina by four though, but, you know, we saw North Carolina drop the ball against Florida state. So I think they're a good team. Uh, I also think that they're, you know, Clemson has a 97% chance of winning for a reason. So, um, maybe a little bit better than, than Syracuse, but I expect a very similar outcome. Just, uh, one last thing on that Boston college defense. I know, um, If you break down the numbers, they are sitting at total defense 41st in the country. And I know we were talking a little bit about expecting Travis to, um, you know, break out and have that big game. I think it was, it was Virginia Tech. If you give me just one sec, I can have the, the stat pulled up. Um, Yeah. Hendon Hooker against Boston College had 18 carries for 164 yards on the ground, as well as his 111 passing yards. Is this more of a game where you expect Travis to go over that 150 mark, or do you, you see Tra- or Trevor jump up around that 95 to 100 rushing yards?
0: Um, I I would expect Travis to go over 150. Um, I, I don't think we're going to run Trevor a lot in the open field. It's more of just restricted to a red zone thing, Mo- mostly because at, as we've seen – I think Trevor Lawrence runs like a wrecking ball that just got cut cut from its tether. I think he goes out and sees people and just tries to hit them. I, I don't know what it is about him, but he likes to lower his shoulder, and it gives me a heart attack. Yeah. Thankfully, he gets up every time. But I just feel we're gonna limit Trevor's carries in in the open field unless it's just wide open, like you're just giving just an easy read. Uh, I think we're going to limit Tr- Trevor's carries in the open field and Travis is going to see more of those touches. But one thing I will say is it wouldn't surprise me if LinJay J might have a little bit of a pop-off game himself, getting like eight or nine carries for like 60, 70, maybe even like 80 yards. Or he just says, you know, hey, I'm tired of, you know, I'm tired of being in nine shadow. I'm going to bust one big like he did last year a few times. So I think it's going to be a, a run heavy game come Saturday and, and hopefully that's how it goes throughout the remainder.
1: Yeah. You know, just one, one last thing on, on Trevor, before we wrap up the show, you know, everybody always talks about they're holding their breath. Anytime he takes off, he is bigger than most of the guys hitting him. Like if he's running, he's not, he's typically not getting tracked down by a defensive lineman. So he's bigger than a lot of these linebackers and safeties. And he is absolutely just a dude. I think he loves contact. I think he's just a, a football player at his core. And uh, anytime he can kind of get hit and wake up a little bit, I think it just fires him up a little bit.
0: Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I think when I say, like, hold, hold my breath, it's because, well, in my luck and in Clemson in, in years past, it's one of those things like, hey, if it can – it will happen. Someone's going to go down. Um, but yeah, Trevor's a Trevor's a big dude. You know, 6'6", pushing around, pushing around two two hundred fifteen pounds. Two twenty five. He two twenty five. Th- there you go. He can he can dish a blow. I think tr- I think I've seen it a few times, and we could see it in some games soon. Not injure a guy. I think just hurt a guy. You know. Some guy sees Trevor running down the sideline and goes, you know what, this is a great chance for me to pop a shot off. No. Trevor Lawrence puts his back foot in the ground, lowers his shoulder a bit, and just absolutely puts a dude on his back. And, yeah, no, Trevor Lawrence is a football player. He likes contact. He's he's very passionate about it. And I can tell he's in at the next level he's going to give – He's going to give officiating crews problems with the fact that he'll be probably the only quarterback in in the NFL who's going to point at a linebacker and go, no, I want you, and hit him and not slide. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, going uh, one thing that we do know very well about Clemson and and Dabo is, I don't know how he does it, Dabo can find a little – piece of lint and he can make it out to look like a pipe bomb. You know, he finds a way to hype his players and make them understand the, the importance of playing well and the importance of, of, uh, of uh, executing our duties because you know, as much praise as I give Syracuse, they're still one in five. You know, they're only wins versus Tech. You know, they're still not there. And 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 and, and uh, in my opinion, they should have never been within six points of us that late in the game. And this Boston College team has a little bit more of a chance to where, if they're put in a in that similar position that we put Syracuse in, Boston College might actually make us pay. You know, so um, I do expect I do expect their offense to be something that we've never seen from a Boston College offense since the Matt Ryan days. But I think one thing that I really want to see, especially for a guy who's earned it, is a big day from Travis Etienne. You know, Boston College is, uh, is, is averaging 160 rushing yards a game given up. Uh, that's not jump off the page. That's not as bad as what Syracuse was doing. But if Travis Etienne was was in that Syracuse game for 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 its entirety, I think he would have made them pay a lot more than just with three touchdowns and eighty yards. You um, just gotta stay
1: away from those frosted flakes, man.
0: Yeah, you know, just you know, just egg, sausage, toast. <laughs> fro-, fro. Hey, frosted flakes are awesome. I have them in my pantry, you know, but apparently. For Travis, at least, they aren't great. So uh, I think as long as he stays away from that, and uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure the uh, the uh, the uh, Reeves Bistro is going to make him a phenomenal breakfast. You know that he'll wake up to. He'll be floating out of his bed like a cartoon. And I would really like to see him have have that exclamation point game because he did it against. Miami he went a little quiet against tech he got hurt against Hughes. i think if travis wants wants to see himself on the computer in new york this this is the game where he has to jump off the page and i not only think he can do it i think he's going to do it because you know he's he's playing he's playing a little angry right now you know because when he stepped right back into that Syracuse game, he was low, lowering his shoulder. He was r- running through, r- running through people. And I don't know a lot of running backs who come out of a game for a cramp, get an IV drip, and go, "All right, good, good enough for me. I'm gonna give it three thousand percent again." So I would really, I would really like to see nine put up his, uh, put up Heisman like numbers because n- not only is he that Heisman quality guy, and 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 I think he's er, he's earned it. He's earned all the hype. I believe he should get significantly more hype. Um, but along with that, uh, there's still uh, as much as I think this Boston College team could give Clemson problems. In reality, as long as Clemson does what you know, what Clemson is supposed to do. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a one pony race come come Halloween Day. Uh, the current Vegas odds have Clemson as a thirty two and a half point favorite, with a over under at sixty point uh half This past week against Q's, we saw Clemson as a forty six point favorite and a sixty one and a half over under. Um, so like we did last week. Well, first. Last week, Tiger Drew, you went one and one on your betting odds. You got, you got the over under right. Clemson, Cuse went over. Pick Clemson on the spread, and I don't know. I guess Syracuse just doesn't like you having money. Uh, yeah, they
1: were they were hurting my feelings last week.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think they I think they listened to the podcast and uh, they took it a little bit personally, but. Hey, that's okay because that's what a season is. It isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, Of course, I, because, you know, I'm the all-knowing. I am the greatest of all time. I went two and two. I picked over and I picked uh, Syracuse on the spread. This week, I'm changing it up. I'm going over again, mostly because just I think Clemson's offense in and of itself can score 60 on, on, on any given day. I mean, we... Clemson played its worst offensive performance of the season and still put up 47. They left a lot of points on the board or off the board. I'm picking the over again, but I'm going to run with Clemson on the spread.
1: You said the over under was sixty and a half, and a half, right?
0: Yes. 60 and a half.
1: Uh, I think, I think Clemson comes close to that over under by themselves. Um, I, I'm, Leaning on the over. Um, oh, that's, that's another big spread. Um, uh, give me Clemson on the spread. I've got them winning by 39. I'm going 52 to 13.
0: All right. All right, so hopefully we both go 2-0 this week because if not, then hopefully just, you know, we got it wrong by a point and not by a complete game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, just a, a, quick, uh, quick recap of this, of this episode for anyone joining late or for those people who, who like to read the last three pages of, of a book and say, Hey, I read this book, you know, uh, talked about the Q's game, talked about the fact that, uh, uh, we felt our, uh, offensive line kind of sh- struggled a bit, but at, but at the end of the day, it, it. It is what it was. It was a four touchdown win against against a power five against a ACC opponent. Uh, we talked about some wide, wide wide receiver woes. I won't really call it that. Just a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, exclamation point over uh, over one uh, one of the players heads, and then and then we previewed this week's Boston College game. But again, I am Tiger Aaron alongside with Tiger Drew. And, uh, and again, this is the, this is the twin tiger show. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to tweet us. Um, you can also email us at, at at gmail.com. Uh, that is all common spelling. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we want to hear your voices. We want to hear your questions. We would love to answer some questions on this show. We would love, we would love to give you guys shout outs and, you know, we do have some things in the works, you know, from from guest hosts to shout outs from other well-known Clemson podcasts and radio shows. So, don't be afraid to tweet at us because, you know, you might hear someone with a pretty high pedigree for the solid orange say your name. So, again, my name is Tiger Aaron alongside with Tiger Drew and this was the Twin Tiger show.